Entertainment capital of the world. That's what you want to know. It's the TC Martin Show. Yeah, I don't know. Idea. <laughs> Diagnosis. I had an idea, and then uh... prognosis. Yeah, I take the serious. Osmosis. Why is it funny? It wasn't. It wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing about it. Yeah. It's not funny. It's not fun. Nothing's funny. Don't you ever talk about me? Yeah, I don't know that idea. That's the result you're gonna get. It's the doctor, TC Martin. I don't go out there and laugh. The doctor is now in. Glad to have you with us. It is a terrible Tuesday edition of the T.C. Martin Show. Yes, plenty to rant about today, of course. A lot of football to touch on today, especially coming off that pathetic Monday night football game, especially if you're back in the Jets. And how good do you feel right now if you're the Raiders after watching the Jets implode last night against the Chargers? Because next up, the Jets coming to Allegiant Stadium for Sunday Night Football as the Raiders feel pretty good about themselves. All right, today we'll talk football. We'll talk basketball. The college basketball season got underway last night with about 100 games. I'm not kidding. About 100 games, college basketball games, were played last night. Are you going to run down every score? Absolutely not. But I will talk about one of those games last night. Talk about one. And then we'll also talk about tomorrow night's game. The Rebels, UNLV in action tomorrow night at the Thomas and Max Center. Kevin Kruger will join us today and we'll get his thoughts as he heads into year number three for the Rebels. Year number three, the head coaching career of Kevin Kruger. So always great, always fun talking with him. I think the last time we talked to KK was when we were had the uh, Songfest show. So then give him a break and... Now we uh, bring him back for for the season here, and he will uh, join us today. Barry Odom will join us uh, a little bit later in the week on Thursday as the football Rebels playing some very good football, and they've got a huge game Friday night. Okay, schedule note, Friday night. All right, this will be the only time they play on a Friday or a non-Saturday game as they uh, will host the Wyoming Cowboys 7.45 p.m. start television side. That'll be on FS1, Fox Sports 1. And then the next week, the Rebels will travel to Colorado Springs to take on Air Force. So the Rebels got a couple tough games coming up. We saw them uh, handle business last week in New Mexico, winning handily, putting 55 points on the board. A week before that, as we know, had a golden opportunity to take control of the Mountain West Conference as they lost to Fresno State by seven. And that was uh, that was treacherous, the way they lost that game. But uh, still have a lot to play for. Got a chance to go to a decent bowl game if they can win out. But uh, a couple of their toughest games are coming up on the schedule here in the next couple of weeks. All right, so we got a lot to hit on uh, with that today as well. But as you know, it is our favorite day of the week. It's Terrible Tuesday. That's terrible. Gone wrong in the sporting world. That's a terrible idea. I want to know what the hell he's smoking. Something stinks in here. That's terrible. <laughs> it's Terrible Tuesday. Things gone wrong in the sporting world. The New York. 
York Jets turn in another terrible offensive performance last night as they get get beat by the LA Chargers 27 to 6 last night. How about that? Huh? They managed only two field goals in this game. And Zach Wilson was downright awful. He had two fumbles last night. He was sacked eight times. And my favorite stat of all, the third down conversions, the New York Jets were three of 17 on third down. Three of 17 against a Chargers defense, especially a pass defense, that's ranked 31st in the National Football League. The Jets are now 22% on third down conversions this year. That is the worst in the NFL in the last 45 years. Think about that. 22% on third down, the most important down, most important stat out there. You need to convert. You need to move the chains. You need to continue to possess the ball. And they do it at an alarming worst rate of 22%, the worst in 45 years of the National Football League. Horrendous were the New York Jets last night. Here are some quotes from the Jets' locker room. As Wilson, not Zach Wilson, but their wide receiver, Jabril Wilson, says, it's inexcusable, man. It's getting to the point where it's disappointing. I hate coming off the field, looking at our defense in the eyes and knowing that we have to send them back out there after another three and out. Them boys are my dogs, and they come out and ball. They put us in great position. It's time for us to start returning the favor, man. It's time. We've got to figure it out. Yeah, very true. And you can see that. If you watched this game last night, the crowd was pumped up, over 70,000 in the stands. They had a chance to go 5-3, and three, be a game behind the Dolphins, ahead of the Bills in the AFC East, and they couldn't get it done against the 31st-ranked pass defense. Couldn't get it done. So I understand, because the defense did their part. They did a fantastic job. They did their part so well last night. that Do you know that they held Justin Herbert to 136 yards passing? 136. Actually, Zach Wilson, as bad as he is as a quarterback, had a better quarterback rating than Herbert. Herbert's rating last night was 65.4. Yeah, it was an ugly game. It was an ugly football game. We knew that this thing would be an under. We knew that both teams would try to run the football. But neither team could run the football last night. Brees Hall had about 25 carries for only 50 yards. As a Chargers defense, they stood up big. But yeah, if you're the defense of the Jets, you've got to carry this team and you have to have these just incredible performances just to hang around, and you still lose by 21 points. So moving forward, looking at this Jets defense, how are they going to be against the Raiders? Because think about the tone and the emotion of these football teams. We saw the Raiders, right? They were they were a mess. And then made a coaching change. Things loosened up around the facility in Henderson at Allegiant Stadium, and they were revved up, fired up, ready to go. If the Jets would have won that game last night, then they really would have been pumped up for the Raiders. But now you got to wonder. They're going to say, man, got to go cross country. 
and now we're three and five. This is a mess ourselves now. What are we going to do here? Or what? The Jets now are what? Four and four, right? Yeah, four and four. We're a mess. And now we got to carry our defense. Our defense has to carry us. And now Zach Wilson has got to face the Raiders defense is playing a little bit better. Man, you just don't know what that emotion is going to be like. And then you have a short work week and you're playing on Sunday Night Football in Las Vegas. Now, what about all of these reports saying that Rodgers is possibly coming back in the next couple of weeks? Stop. That's Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers. I know it is. Yeah. And he doesn't even pretend to be a doctor on the radio. No. Okay? But he thinks he's a doctor. I mean, at least some of us that actually pretend. I mean, halfway know what we're talking about. We're not going to make bold predictions like that. Yeah. A few weeks ago, he said, yeah, I'll be back for the playoffs. I'll be back for maybe the last couple regular season games. Then he's telling Derwin James from the Chargers last night, yeah, I'm getting there, man. I'll be back in a couple weeks. Aaron Rodgers dropping back three pity pat steps and throwing the ball 50 yards, you know, in pregame warmups, okay, is one thing. All right. But come on. He's always done that. He's not ready to play football. And if you're the Jets, you lose last night in embarrassing fashion. Say you go on the road and you lose to the Raiders. What's the incentive of putting Aaron Rodgers out there? Because another win, or rather another loss by the Jets, basically eliminates them from playoff contention. Because even though the record is not horrible, but there's too many fantastic five and three teams out there. There's a log jam out there with Buffalo and Miami and the Browns and you got the Ravens and, you know, the Steelers, you know. Looking up at the Chiefs. I mean, there's just only seven are going to the playoffs in the AFC. And the Jets just don't have it, especially when you have Zach Wilson as your quarterback. But, yeah, this was not an isolated clunker last night by the Jets. They've scored only eight offensive touchdowns for this entire season. So just wasn't last night they couldn't get in the end zone. This has been a problem for a while. Tied. For their third fewest in their first eight games in team history as far as touchdowns. Eight touchdowns through nine games. Terrible. Just downright terrible. All right. We've got ourselves a scandal in college football, don't we? Well, I love scandals. You love scandals. I love scandals. Yeah. How about Patty Smythe and Scandal? Remember her? No. The group? 80s? Scandal? You don't remember Scandal. I mean, I'd probably do if I heard of course them. you, you know, do. You, it's one of those. Yeah, now you're, you're looking. Gonna, you're going to make me. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to. That's okay. We got a Michigan scandal here. Uh, a representative of the University of Michigan staff has gone to other teams' games and practices to scout and steal signs of future Michigan Wolverine opponents. All right? So this is a big story. It's getting a lot of, uh, a lot of steam right now. And... The Big Ten now has gotten involved. The NCAA has kind of backed off a little bit because I think they want to try to handle this internally, but an investigation is going on. Now, this is how crazy this story is. Remember, we go back to Spygate with the Patriots and, you know, going to scout on the Jets and all this other kind of stuff. Well, this really has a couple of weird twists and turns. All right. So a member of Jim Harbaugh's staff in Michigan. Has a staffer has been doing this going back to 2021. His name is Connor Stallions. You like that name? I know what you're going to Stallions. Stallions. Not the Italian Stallion. 
Is he related to Megan the Stallion? No. No. Isn't it Megan the Stallion? There you go. Megan the Stallion. Yeah. This is Connor, not the Stallions. Oh, my goodness. This Hammenager was seen dressed up in a disguise like someone's going to know who he is anyway. He was on the actual Central Michigan sideline a few weeks back when Central Michigan was playing Michigan State because Michigan was getting ready to play Michigan State. So, yeah, they've been sending this Hammenager to scout and steal signs of Wolverine opponents. Now, he has been suspended. He's been fired. As we go back now and find out part of the investigation that Stallions had paid for his own tickets to games. That means he's actually sitting up in the stands. And he's been paying for tickets to Michigan's upcoming opponents' games. And like I said, been doing it since 2021. Now, this investigation's ongoing. Harbaugh's on the hot seat. And now talk is now turning to banning the University of Michigan from the playoffs. This team is undefeated right now. They're rolling, 9-0. Got a bye week coming up here, all right? Harbaugh on the hot seat. Harbaugh approached, or actually was questioned by reporters today. He gave some goofball answer about, you know, it could all start with me, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's something like, you know, we've got my adolescents at home, or I'll protect them and my players. I'll protect them. But if you got any criticism... Aiming at me. That's pretty much what he was saying, which basically says that he's not admitting guilt or not. All right. The Big Ten notified Michigan of the possible discipline, and the school has been given until tomorrow as a drop-dead deadline for a response. So they file a report. They want answers. There's a lot of questions on this, on these documents that they want answered. And Michigan needs to respond to this by tomorrow. Now, Ryan Walters is the head coach of Purdue. He said, these are not allegations. He goes, these are facts. Because he definitely saw this person on the Purdue sideline. He's seen him. So they had a conference call with all the Big Ten coaches. It lasted about 90 minutes. This was last week, right? Harbaugh was on the call. And they were talking about all this stuff. Harbaugh hung up on the call after about a half hour because he said, I don't have no more time for this. I got to get to practice. <sighs> so, yeah, Michigan could be facing these type of sanctions. All right. Now, I got a little different take on it. Let's slow your roll here about banning Michigan from the playoffs. All right. This is sign stealing. And I know baseball fans are going to love hearing this. Especially those baseball fans who have been anti-Astros for all these years, right? Are we talking trash cans? No. What I'm saying is slow your roll here. Because sign stealing is an overrated offense, my friend. All right? It used to be applauded. For those who know anything about sports, anybody that's been a coach at any level, in any sport, anyone who's been a player in any sport will tell you that all sports have been doing this Forever, you still have to go out there and stop the team physically, all right? No matter the sport. But we're talking football here, okay? So physically, even though you may know what their signs are, their formations are, you still got to go ahead and stop it. And with this guy, 
is going to games and he's up in the stands or he's trying to sneak on the sideline. He's taking notes and that sort of thing. Okay, that sounds like, okay, advantage for the University of Michigan. But seriously, how much of an advantage is it really that you know their signs or you have pictures of their cardboard signs because a lot of teams use the cardboard signs and you got to try to decipher all that stuff? Come on, man. Banning a team from the playoffs, the coveted playoffs, that just hurts the players. And guess what? The players have nothing to do with this. No, they're not banging on trash cans. They're not doing it. These players are just playing football. These are young kids that signed up to go to Michigan for four years or four plus years, right? And you're going to take away their chance at winning a championship? Are you kidding me? Taking away their chance of uh, increased exposure to get to the NFL? The players have nothing to do with this. University of Michigan is winning games and winning games handily because they are that good. That's why they're winning these games, plain and simple. Because they are awesome. They have a fiendish football team. You don't ban the team from the playoffs. You don't assign losses to games. You know what you do? You correct the problem. You fire the Hammenager that's involved with this. If this came down from Jim Harbaugh and he directed the guy to do this, okay, fine. Then you suspend Harbaugh again or you fire Harbaugh, but you don't take away a team's right to play in the college football playoffs. It's insane. For this, no. Fire the guy from the staff. Blackball him if you got to. Do something to Harbaugh if he gave the instructions. If Harbaugh gave the code red, then you punish the guy that gave the code red. Talk about banning a team from the playoffs is simply absurd. Insane. You just don't do it. All right? You know, and people that are asking for this, they just don't know the game. Never coached, never played. Because it's vastly overrated. This offense is a vastly overrated offense. You know what it is? It's gamesmanship. That's what it is. All right? Call it what you want. It's not cheating. All right? And I'm tired of saying, oh, they cheated. They didn't cheat. You're trying to attempt to steal signs like people have been doing it in baseball for over 100 plus years. That is not cheating. You know what cheating is in football? Cheating is changing the score. That's what cheating is. Cheating is manipulating an outcome. Cheating is like, say, not operating the clock correctly. Intentionally rigging a game with referees. That is cheating. Not attempting to find out what a team's formation is. What are their plays? All right, well, good luck with all of that. Even if you knew that was coming, good luck. You still have to physically stop it. And let's be honest. We know Michigan has not played the toughest of schedules. We know that. They're not cheating. Sign stealing is not cheating. Anybody that says it don't know what you're talking about. It's ridiculous. Cheating is not scouting another team and trying to figure out what plays they're trying to run or what signs they have. Come on. Give me a break. Don't punish these kids. All right. James Madison, college football, having a tremendous football year. They are 9-0. They're ranked 21st in the country. But guess what? They're not going to be rewarded for their fantastic season because despite them having a fantastic, undefeated season, they can't go to a bowl game. Why is that, ask me, that James Madison cannot go to a bowl game? Because James Madison made the move from the FCS to the FBS. That's the 
football championship series. And they got to get rid of this. I go back to Division Two, one double A to one A. Do that because people just still understand the difference between FCS and FBS, the football bowl subdivision. All right, that's with the big boys. Or according to the rules, they cannot be eligible for conference championships or bowl games for two years upon entering the higher division, which is stupid. James Madison officials made another plea to the NCAA Division I Board of Directors on Monday to reduce its football program's FCS2, FBS transition, from two years to one so that the undefeated Dukes can be eligible to compete in a bowl game this season. Okay? Last year is year one. This is year two. In a letter to the NCAA Division I Board of Directors, the chairman and the president of James Madison argued that the Dukes have embarked on this transition in ways that no other institution has since the transition rules changed 23 years ago and that their student-athletes have achieved an astonishing, unprecedented level of success during this period. Relief that allows our student-athletes to participate in a bowl game as their play has earned them the right and is warranted. Our student-athletes have done everything the right way. That they view that the postseason pro, pro, uh, probation is, in instance, is inexplicable punishment in the light of the NCAA's stated priorities. As many commentators have noted, this is an opportunity for the NCAA to do the right thing, Spike Lee, and for our student-athletes to be recognized for their exceptional efforts on and off the field. Can't say that I disagree with that. But they're probably not going to change it because they put it in place for two. If you're getting a team normally that goes into another conference, they struggle. All right, they don't have the athletes, don't have the recruiting, and but they want to punish a team if you're coming in. Like, hey, you got to sit on the sideline for two years. Why? Why? They're already at a disadvantage. They don't have the resources that the other schools have. Now, the time that they're admitted into the conference. Now, the NCAA has denied the school's appeal to complete the two-year transitional period from one. That was back on April 27th. But James Madison was the first school to appeal the two-year period. Why? Well, because they're the first school to have this type of success. Now, think about this. If James Madison were eligible to compete for a bowl game this year, check this out. They might be the highest-ranked team from a group of the five conference, the group of fives, in the college football playoff rankings and would be in contention to play in a New Year's Day Bowl 6 game. Now, last week, the Dukes won their 12th consecutive game, 42-14 to at Georgia State, and they're among seven unbeaten teams in the FBS. Only seven. Why wouldn't we want to see this team be in a New Year's 6 bowl game, right? Because they have to sit out one more year? Yeah. I know it's the rules, but... Again, it's one of these rules that is pretty stupid. And they're probably not going to amend it because we know the NCAA doesn't like changing anything. But James Madison's having a heck of a year, and it's a story to keep your eyes on. I can honestly see a one-year ban on that. How about a zero-year ban? Seriously. No, it, no, it, it, okay, what's the purpose? Uh, let's say a better team comes to it like the D1. We need a better team. Like a different – like, okay – if it, I know it's not okay, like a team who's who's been very successful at yeah. the FCS level, yes, like James Madison, yes, like some of these other teams. All right, I can see a one, yeah, or that or that year. You're just just a simple one. Mm-hmm. 
would be perfect. One year. One year. Could probably go with that because most teams aren't going to have that type of success. Yeah. But James Madison has a, a, a great program, and they it would be nice to, to see them in a bowl game, especially this year, because they'll probably lose a yeah. lot of talent you know, from this team. But it is a crazy rule. Now, more James Madison. This time on the basketball side. Ooh, basketball. Yes. Do you know what James Madison did last night? They beat Michigan State last night. The opening night game. That's right. 79-76 in overtime as a 17-point underdog. What kind of Kool-Aid is going on over there at JMU? The purple and white. The Dukes. They're playing some football. They're playing some basketball. Yeah, they beat Michigan State last night. 79-76. Kudos for the Dukes. One of the reasons why they won this game? Do you know what Michigan State shot from beyond the three-point arc last night? On their home floor. Tom Izzo's team. One for 20. One for 20. One for 20. He's got to go. Four to shoot. Out to Horton. Three. It's good. Raekwon Horton's first points of the night. And a three gives the Dukes a two possession lead. Two possession lead last night, and they end up winning the game in overtime, 79-76. to So, JMU getting it done. I love it. More college football bonehead coaching moves. How about Saturday's game? Kansas State's taking on Texas. Ooh, got ourselves a thriller in the Big 12. K-State and Texas. Yeah. Uh-huh. Game's tied at the end of regulation. 30 apiece. Texas. Gets the ball in overtime. They kick a field goal. They lead 33-30. to Kansas State now has the ball. It's their turn. They complete a pass on their first play. Get it down to the six-yard line. All right? They then get it down to the four. But then they can't move it any further. So now they're facing a fourth and goal from the four-yard line. So what do you do? Now think about it. You're down three. It's fourth and goal from the four. Kick a field goal to tie the game to go to a second overtime. No, not with the K-State head coach. You know what he does? He says, we're going to go for it. We're not going to kick a field goal to extend the game and get into a second overtime period. No, we're going to go for it on fourth and goal from the four. Guess what? They don't get it. They lose. Everybody runs on the field there in Austin, Texas, and the Longhorns win the game 33-30, to and that crashes the big 12 championship hopes for Kansas State. Why? Because their coach made a bonehead call. What are you thinking? Seriously. Why are coaches continuing to go for it on fourth and medium or fourth and long? Why? It makes no sense. You have a chance. You had all the mojo. You rallied back. You were down double digits. You rallied back. Went to overtime. Kicked the field goal. Go to the second overtime. You get the ball first in the second overtime. Put the pressure on Texas. Great chance you win that game. I don't want to hear about analytics. What do the analytics say? If you go my way, probably about a 55, 60% chance to win. Uh, fourth and four to try to get a touchdown, probably 19%. Come on, man. So was this coach the same coach or the same school as Josh McDaniels? Bonehead fourth down moves. 
Yeah, not different, but in the sense like Josh McDowell's, hey, we're down eight. We're going to kick a field goal to make it five. Why do you want to do that? Well, that way, because if, 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 capital if, parentheses if, quotations if, if we get the ball back, well, then we can win it with a touchdown. Oh, that's right, Josh, but then you'd have to go probably at least 60, 70, 80 yards. Yeah. Bonehead coaching moves here. Yeah. K-State, what are you thinking? That simply insane. And NFL how about the late drama that we have with Tampa Bay and Houston, huh? Tampa Bay and Houston. Late game drama we got with that. Mm. I think we're going to – I don't want to hold this story back because TJ Reeves, I'm going to talk to him about this next hour. But I'll tell you what happened anyway. Late game drama. Tampa Bay gets a touchdown for Baker Mayfield with 46 seconds to go in the game. And Tampa Bay leads the Houston Texans – 37-33. Remember that score now. 37-33. Four points. So now the Texans need a touchdown. No timeouts left in 46 seconds. It looks very, very bleak. C.J. Stroud completes three straight passes before spiking the ball at the Tampa Bay 41. Then he completes his next pass to the Tampa Bay 16-yard line with 16 seconds remaining. There's hope here. But the next play is complete to Tank Dell for a 16-yard touchdown. Touchdown, Texans! Gives the Texans the lead here. End the game. However, game's not completely over yet because, remember, they lead by two. You still got to kick the extra point, and there are six seconds to go, meaning that you're going to have to kick the ball off. So what do you do? What does everybody else do? Well, you kick the extra point, right? To make it a three-point game. Just in case there's a long kickoff return... There's a, you know, Hail Mary penalty. You kick it. The field goal of the tie. No. What Houston does, they're going to go for two. They had an injury with the kicker, apparently. But they had kicked a 29-yard field goal earlier with a backup kicker. Makes no sense. So C.J. Stroud lines up to go for two. If they make it, they're up four. Pretty good. What happens? Neil Diamond. They decide not even to run a play. Let's take a knee. And C.J. Stroud goes, Neil Diamond, we want to be up by two. We don't want to be up by four. We want to be up by two because we've seen crazier things happen. Now, Tampa Bay can come down and kick a field goal to win the game. To just squash your dramatic, beautiful comeback. Several things wrong here. One, you kick the PAT. All right? You just do it. I don't care. If you don't have your regular kicker, you kick it. Just kick the 29-yard earlier. Number two, if you are afraid to kick a simple PAT and try to go for two and you make it, oh my goodness, that's a four-point game. Game over. It's done. But to simply go out there and just quit, to quit and go Neil Diamond, that is terrible. That is insane. What are you thinking? I'm just going to Neil Diamond. And we'll, we'll take our chances that, you know, they don't run it back or we get a penalty on the final play of the game. No, you take it into your own hands and you take care of business. Oh, by the way, why are so many people irate about this? What was the point spread in this game? Love on the rocks. Houston favored no by two and a half. Final score, 39-37. If you add the Houston Texans minus two and a half, you are a loser because you saw 
CJ Stroud, go Neil Diamond. Give you my heart, give you my soul. I lost a lot of money in that game. Not me. That's what people are saying. Yes. Can you imagine the sports books? They're going crazy. How can you not attempt to kick a simple point after touchdown? How can you not attempt to run a two-point play? Why? Why? Instead, I want Neil. First they say they want you. Terrible Tuesday. You got some terrible Tuesdays. Hit me on Twitter at TCMartin21. Coming back, Kevin Kruger. Getting ready for the Rebels to hit the brand new court at the Thomas and Mack Center. Hold on. Let me take a knee. We all know the song. You need what you need. This is Steve Heitner, and lucky you, you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. Ah, uh, that's gold, baby, gold. Boom, boom, bubble dum, boom, 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 bubble dum, boom, boom, bubble dum, boom, 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 bubble dum. All right, don't forget, back at the Westgate of Las Vegas, coming your way on Friday. That's right, our best bet segment and a whole lot more. And not only we got college football, we've got NFL, but college basketball is now here. I swear there's like a hundred games last night. A hundred. And we saw the upset with uh, James Madison over Michigan State. And uh, tomorrow night, it all kicks off. I don't want to say kick off. See, that's wrong. Tips off. Tips off for real tomorrow here in Las Vegas as the UNLV runner Rebels hit the court, their brand new looking court, as they take on Southern University out of New Orleans. Coming your way. Tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at the Thomas and Mack Center. Make sure you get there. First 3,000 fans going to get rally towels, and it'll be a uh, a great festive atmosphere as the 2023-24 season tips off tomorrow night at the TNM. Join us now, the head coach, Kevin Kruger. KK, what's going on? Not too much. How you guys doing? I'm doing, man. We're doing. We're doing. All right. It's it's uh, it, it's good to you know, we let you uh, – you know, enjoy uh, you know, your off season, everything. Last time we talked to you, you know, you were you were giving us some stellar songs, you know, during the off season, to, you know, for the show <laughs> right. here. We appreciate that. We appreciate. It. But now, guess what? You know, we got to talk basketball with you. Yeah, it's that time. That's it, man. All right, uh, season underway tomorrow night. Um, let's go back before we start. You know, talking about what to expect tomorrow in this season, nineteen and thirteen last season. Looking back, and I know that. You usually take the first couple weeks after the season ends, and you kind of look back and and but since we really haven't talked about that, what did you feel went went right for you guys last year? Obviously, successful season, but then maybe what could have gone better for you guys if you look back at last year? Yeah, I thought uh, obviously a great start. Uh, you know, a great trip to Canada where we got to learn a lot about ourselves and and uh, we got to play a lot of minutes and a lot of lineups and you know got off to a great start and then you know just a little bump in the road a little adversity and and uh the mountain west was unrelenting last year and and we kind of uh weren't just weren't able to kind of get back on track we uh we had some really great moments and then 
we also had some moments where we just didn't look like ourselves. You talk about the Mountain West uh, really was was tough last year, and then you look at San Diego State, what they did, going all the way to the championship game last year. And we know that San Diego State had a, had a great you know program you know coming into last season, but I don't think anybody anticipated them going all the way. Uh, and but you know when you see a team like that that represents your conference, not only in the Final Four but at the championship game, I mean that definitely is is kudos to the conference, right? And uh, you know talk a little bit about that aspect. Uh, and I know that we had talked about this, you know, during that time, but, uh, were you rooting for those guys to beat UConn or were, or were you rooting against them? Oh, I think anytime your conference can do well, you know, and, and you grow to be friends, I think with all the coaches in the conference, you, so you, you're always kind of rooting for them and, and, uh, and hoping they do well, just even outside of the, you know, us getting to, you know, beat our own chest that we're, we're in the same conference. We just want to see your your friends do well and the people you spend time with. So, you know, back-to-back years with four teams in the conference is uh, is a, definitely a, 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 something we should be proud of. And then I think you're going to see a, a bunch of teams that are capable NCAA tournament teams again this year. All right. Kevin Kruger joins us, UNLV head coach. And the Rebels will get the season underway tomorrow night against Southern University as they start the 2023-24 season at the TNM tomorrow night, 7 p.m. with the tip-off. Uh, heading into year number three of your head coaching career, what changes are you making or maybe tweaking for maybe last year to this year? Because obviously you do have a, a different roster. We'll get into that and that sort of thing. But I know that you continue to learn uh, from year to year. I remember having the conversation with you last year. Would you, what did you learn from year one to year two? What about from year two to year three? Yeah, I think it's uh you know, it's just something that it's hard to kind of quantify and put into words, but I feel more confident uh you know, as as the days go on and, and just uh you know, just throughout everything, whether it's uh you know, the non basketball side of life or in or the side of coaching, the basketball side of coaching, uh the staff coming back is obviously a big a big plus and a big positive. Uh Lou Rod and Webb deciding to come back, huge positive. You know, Jalen Hill, DJ Thomas deciding to stay home, huge positive. So all these things just kind of go into it. But I think as much as anything, just, you know, just coaching the team you have. And I think last year we, we did a, a good job at, at times of, of coaching the, the group we had and what we, what we excelled at. And then of course there were times where I didn't do a good job, you know, having the group I had. And of course, looking back, I do a couple things differently, but it was still a group that played really hard, battled. Uh, we had a lot of different lineup combinations throughout the year, and just had to had to deal with that as a group. But uh, at the on, the on the other side of it, going into this year, we've got a lot of excitement. We've uh, we've got a lot of great additions. We've got a lot of great returners, and and they've done a really good job. Uh, you know, kind of merging together to form a good team and and we think this is a group that'll get better as the year goes on and I think that's what makes it the most exciting. You know, this question might be a little skewed here because your dad was a great coach and you know, you lived your whole life uh you know, watching him coach and everything. But did you think that you were going to be a head coach and if so what age were you when that kind of hit you or did you say hey no I'm going to be a player I'm going to get off into something else or what you know what what time did you say hey man this is this is going to be my path this is what I want to do you know either for the rest of my life or for a good portion of my life I think it kind of sways back and forth a little bit. You know, when I was growing up, I I wanted to be like my dad, so I wanted to coach. I, I knew that was 
what I wanted to do and I wanted to play. And then, and then when I was done, I wanted to get into coaching. And then actually when I got, when I, when I was playing, um, after college, uh, you know, that I knew I wanted to stay in the game. So I knew it was going to be something related to basketball. And, and, you know, just throughout people, you know, meeting people throughout my life, you know, some, a number of different kind of conversations had taken place of trying to get into the NBA side or the front front office side or get into the coaching side at what level and all those things just get more specific. And um, when I, I did a, a summer uh, stint with the San Antonio Spurs as one of their summer league coaches and loved it and went back to be a GA at Oklahoma with my dad. And the first opportunity I had that following summer was with Northern Arizona and Jack Murphy, a Durango grad. Um, at Northern Arizona, and and that's kind of just the direction I went. And had something popped in the NBA or popped at the high school level or or wherever it may have been, uh, you know, things could be different. But luckily, I got that opportunity because uh, I'm really enjoying life right now. All right, Kevin Kruger, the head coach of the Rebels, heading into his third season here. All right, so let's talk about this year's team. Is it three, Kevin, or four returnees that you have? And I know that you use the transfer portal as, as, as well, too. But how tough is it in this modern age of college basketball to try to have continuity when you know it's going to be more of a revolving door than maybe the stability that uh, you know we've become accustomed to after all these decades prior to this age? Well, oh, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a little bit of both. I mean, you even look at, you know, if you look at UConn, for example, they win a national championship, and one of their key guys decides to go in the transfer portal. Um, you know, so so nobody's immune to it. Um, I think the people who maybe struggle, the teams that struggle a little bit, it's highlighted a little bit more of like, well, what's wrong? You know, why? And and that's not always necessarily the case. Some people want to get closer to home. Some people want to go play for a coach that they knew, or somebody moved. Or, you know, I mean, there's just so many different variables, but. You know, bring you know the guys we got come back. Of course, Isaiah didn't get to play last year. A returner, Lou, a returner, Webb, a returner, Carl, a returner. Um, you know, Nick coming back. You know, there, there's just a lot of great guys coming back. And I think when you look at the success in February and March and the teams that continue to get better throughout the year, a lot of times those groups uh, have been together and they just continue to get better. And so that's why uh, we were really proud of the guys that we that we, uh, that we brought back from last year's group, but also. The guys that decided to join them. What do you like most about this group? I think the the experience and the maturity. Um, this it's an older group in age, and uh, the guys that have played a lot of basketball games. So the conversations, you know, it's not there's not a lot of rah rah having to go on. There's not uh, or, or or any of that. Uh, type of uh, early kind of growth, growing pains that some people grow to because the majority of the roster is, has experience. Mm -hmm. Give fans an idea of what this UNLV team will look like on the court. I think you're going to look. You see a big team. Um, we, we've got an opportunity to be physical, um, strong, uh, and and a team that offensively is going to share it, make plays for each other, but defensively is going to do a really good job staying in front of the ball and. And rebounding, you know, last year, if you have one thing to pick from each side of the ball, offensively, we turned it over way too much. And defensively, we didn't rebound it well enough. And if, if those two things were, were better, um, you know, there's, there's a number of different games that might have been different. So this year, it's been a focal point for, to, to 
touch up on those and be better in those two areas. And I think uh, the group has got that message loud and clear. In the beginning of the season, uh, a lot of fans, again, like you said, you know, with the turnover and, and addition of new players and everything, it's going to take fans a while to get a chance to know the personnel of this team. Who are the guys who you feel can be impact players for you this season? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you lead off with the local guys. I think there's some familiarity there. Isaiah Cottrell from Gorman, um, you know, Jalen Hill from from Clark, and DJ Thomas from Liberty, uh, Nick Walters from Coronado. So there's going to be a little bit of local flavor. But, you know, people that have watched college basketball, you know, the Boone Twins from their time at Oklahoma State, um, and, then, and then, you know, Brooklyn Hicks coming in from, from Washington as Mr. Basketball. Uh, Rob Whaley had a great co- uh, junior college career at CSI. So, in both of our scrimmages, we had we had different guys step up and have good games, and and I think uh, that this could be a, a team that has a number of different leading scorers or a number of different you know, kind of quote unquote MVPs of each game or guys that make game winning plays. But um, the, so I think it's it's really going to be a, a roster where fans can come, and it might not be one or two guys where that are just the unanimous fan favorite across the uh, the arena every night, but uh, everybody can have kind of a different liking based on what their preference of player is. Now you say that you've got a little more size than you had last year. Let's talk a little bit about the guard play and the the perimeter game. How do you feel this team will stack up, especially from three-point shooting? Yeah, I think that's uh, that's something that we've, we've focused on, especially on the defensive end, is just uh, doing a better job of limiting good looks from the outside because last year we, we didn't do a good enough job of that. And, uh, so, so when you talk about Jalen Hill at six seven, you know Lou Rod at six five six six, Rob Whaley at six six, um, you know Brooklyn Hicks at six three with, with with a long wingspan, um, Shane Noel at uh, you know six six with with long arms, and then of course we look on the bigger on the, the true kind of post guys with Cottrell and and Caleb Boone and Carl Jones. I think you just we've got a group that's older that's been in the weight room that knows how to play and use their you know, use their, their body for, to get angles, to get positioning. And, uh, it's something that their experience has helped them with. But overall, I think you're just, it's, our team as a whole is, is certainly bigger and has an opportunity to be more physical than last year's group. All right. Kevin Kruger getting ready for tomorrow night's game between UNLV and Southern. It is the opener. Always that, uh, fun time of anticipation when you uh, tip off a, a new season here. You've got four local Las Vegas kids who went to high school here. How much of a point of emphasis has that been for you and your staff to, to keep the top high school players here in town? Well, it's huge. I think, uh, you know, even going back from some of the first meetings I had, with our, with this as a staff first getting the job, you know, this is a program that we, we wanted local kids to take seriously and, and be proud to maybe one day be a part of. And, but, but we knew it wasn't going to be an overnight thing, something that bringing in good guys, uh, uh, players that are fun to watch, easy to follow, easy to be around, um, easy to root for, you know, all of these things kind of go into making a, a program. I think where high school and middle school kids grow up wanting to be a rebel and, uh, that's something that I can remember from 10, 15, you know, 5, 10, 15 years ago. Uh, that, that was one of the things in town was, was kids would wear their UNLV jerseys and their shirts. And they, they talked about one day, you know, being a rebel and playing in the Thomas and Mac. And as long as we continue to bring in good kids and continue to get better as a program, I think, uh, that's something we can see here. And I'd be, I'd be really happy and know that we're doing, 
doing the right thing when we go out and see middle school kids and high school kids just walking around, uh, you know, pretending to be you know, Jalen Hill or Shane Noel or Jackie Johnson or whoever their favorite player is. And, and, uh, and that, that would mean a lot to us. I want to know what is that Kevin Kruger re- recruiting pitch like? Okay. When you get, when you get into a living room there and, you know, obviously you've been, you know, you've got the pitch yourself as a player, but you've been in, you know, uh, through this, you know, for so many years. And then I'm sure, you know, seeing the way your dad did it as well, too. Is there like a, a type of style or a thing that you kind of just, you know, have in your back pocket or a pattern, or do you really just kind of adapt to the player and their families totally different? Just talk a little bit about what that recruiting pitch is like for you. Yeah, I think uh, the one thing that I think we do well as a staff is every every recruitment and every player is uh, is unique and it's an individual process. And uh, one thing uh, that I talk a lot about with the parents or mentors is. Uh, you know, that, that we're, as a coaching staff, we're kind of like uh, just kind of guide rails. You know, we're going to give our suggestions. We're going to do our coaching. Um, but, you know, we want, we want the ownership and the, the appreciation to be from the player side and the development and, the, and, and, and kind of diving into it head first. And we're going to do our best to help them get to the level they want to get to, which is, of course, the NBA. Um, and we're going to be there every step along the way. But, you know, we're big on trial and error. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not every like like I said, not every player is the same. They can uh, if one gets ready for a game one way and the other gets ready another, you know, then we respect that and we we appreciate their you know their their, their willingness and their drive to make it work. And and then uh, at the end of the day, we win a lot of games and they get to where they want to get to. Then we then we we're all pretty happy. Now, Kevin, I'm sure you've had some some tough parents to deal with too. You know, during your course of your time, right? I'm sure you got a, you got some stories there, right? Oh, I think that's a, that's pretty much uh, <laughs> across the board in all walks of life. I right. think uh, there's always going to be, you know, everyone's not going to be happy, unfortunately, but um, we do try to create the best experience uh, possible. Um, that's I'm a firm believer that college should be the greatest four or five years of your life. So um, that's what we try to do, but. Yeah, of course. You unfortunately you can't make everyone happy. Come on, man. You you've had to walk out a couple of those houses, like saying, "Man, what what the heck just happened there? Who you know, who are the, who do these parents think they are? They, they, you know, you, you got to run to the, the good and the bad. I'm, I'm I'm sure, especially you know with with, with parents that think that they're you know they want to have the ultimate voice, I guess, with their children. Well, of course, you know we 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 respect and appreciate the parents having the confidence in their kids and and that's part of the process sometimes you have parents or mentors that um maybe don't see it the exact same way you do but making it all work as a team so that everyone can succeed is, a, is kind of the name of the game and uh and so of course there yeah there's always going to be times where you're, you maybe don't see it exactly the same way and and uh, yeah of course there are going to be times and when during the recruiting process where you just kind of say i don't I don't know if it's going to be a great fit right. because of uh, this, that, or the other. And and uh, you, but at the end of the day, you just got to try to bring in thirteen or fifteen guys that um, just really care about winning games for UNLV, and the rest will kind of figure itself out. 
All right, final thing here. Let's talk about the schedule. So uh, at Florida State, uh, you're going to go there in possibility of, of facing either Colorado or Richmond in a little tournament there at uh, in Tallahassee, right? And then you go to Dayton. They came here last year, so the return trip there. Then Creighton at the Dollar Loan Center. That's going to be a good one. And then you're going to get St. Mary's and Phoenix on, on a neutral site. Talk a little bit about the schedule uh, in the non-conference. And again, you're facing some good teams here, and that's got to be good for the RPI. That was great. We have an incredibly challenging non-conference, and I think that the, a large part of that can just be attributed to the the work from the last two years of guys and the last two years' teams. Uh, scheduling is a is a constant pain um, in terms of trying to figure that out and how to make it work with the calendar and the opponents so that everyone uh, can you know leave happy and be happy and but the, the ability to play St. Mary's and Creighton uh, to be invited to the Sunshine Slam in Florida and get Florida State and or Colorado Richmond um, is is largely just because of the work the guys have put in I think to progress the program forward um, because it, it it might not have been possible if uh if I think the the reputation of the program and the the progress um, wasn't seen or wasn't wasn't appreciated, and so here we are, an opportunity to play St. Mary's and Creighton and all those big names, but also uh, teams uh, like Southern tomorrow, who's got a who got some votes to win their league, right. and then of course Akron, who lost in their title game last year. So uh, an incredibly challenging schedule that'll get us ready for the conference. All right, my man. Uh, great stuff. Uh, good luck, uh, not only on Wednesday night, but, uh, you know, this season with a, a, you got some returnees, but you got a new group as well, too. And how about the court? We got a brand new court. All right. Talk about how that all, all unfolded. And uh, what do you think of the new look? Oh, I love it. I love it. I think, uh, you know, last year we got the banners redone. So if you notice those yep. are all, if you didn't notice last year, you noticed it this year that the banners are all now. Um, even and and uh, consistent, and uh, that was a great step forward. The court is, I think, is another great step forward towards uh, just pro- progressing the program. Um, you know, Harp and and Catch are, I think, are doing an unbelievable job of. Uh, we all have the same vision of just continuing to go forward, just continuing to build it and make things better, and uh, and touch up the things that need touching up or redoing the things that need to be redone. And we just all felt it. The court is one thing that would, would that we can redo that would add a little pop to the start of the year and and thank you thankful to catch and and harp for for making it happen and then of course anderson hunt uh Anderson hunt's jersey retirement on right. Saturday right. another huge thing i mean appreciating and and you know drawing attention to the guys of the past that put u n l v on the map and so his jersey finally going up into the rafters is another huge step forward for the program as a whole. And all these things, when you add them together, I think they, they show. They may not show immediately, but they show in the long run. And uh, it just shows that the people at UNLV right now are, are have their mindset on making it better and continuing to progress the program. Yeah, love it. Love it. Uh, retiring Anderson Hunt's jersey and, and the court. I love the clean look, man. It's I, I love it. All right, brother, be good, man. And uh, we'll look forward to, to talking with you during the course of the season. And good luck tomorrow night. All right, I appreciate it. You got it. Kevin Kruger as a Rebels, coming off uh, a 19-win season, 18 victories his first year, 19 last year, and uh, we expect it to be uh, more than that this season. All right, we come back. We'll talk NFL football and a whole lot more coming your way here on a terrible Tuesday, but not a terrible song. 
This is Kevin Kruger's song that he's selected in one of the Songfest shows. Our little Benny King, as we continue on right here. Capital of the world. Vikings blitz. Manning got it off the rare deep throw, and maybe that's why they don't do it. Intercepted by Xavier Rhodes. It's the TC Martin Show. They're not used to this damn heat. They over there trying to set up damn pits over there on the sideline. Hey, it's a ride. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, TC Martin. Okay, I ain't gonna worry about you no more. 300 yards, four touchdowns. <laughs> It's so sweet when you walk off the field knowing you get everything you got. Team win tonight. The doctor is now in. How you like me now? 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 All right, continuing on here in hour number two. I want to thank Kevin Kruger for joining us. And we get used to having him on a lot because it is basketball season. The Rebels... We'll tip off the season tomorrow night at Southern, actually here at the Thomas and Mack Center, Southern University, 7 o'clock, first 3,000 fans, rally towels, and you got to love the new court. I love it. And frankly, you know, I was not a big fan of the strip design with all that stuff, especially since it really, like, wasn't correlated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, you had, like... Stratosphere one end. I don't know. But anyway, I like, and I don't like a real busy court. So I'm glad they did what they did. Clean court, looking good. So go check out the Rebels tomorrow night. Uh, Numchuck wants to say something. The rally towel? Yeah. Is the court. Okay. So I like that. So, like, you know, if you do like the court, you have a towel to put it up on. Yeah. In the man cave. Yeah. There it is. Or a woman cave. Woman cave, man cave, anything. Any cave. Any cave. Any cave is a good cave. All right. We'll continue talking uh, college football, NFL, this hour as well, too. And let's uh, bring in our good friend who's uh, residing in Tampa Bay, Florida, after um, a trip from Houston. And uh, I did not get any phone calls. I didn't get any texts for restaurant recommendations in Houston. I, I, I was a little bit disappointed with that. But uh, TJ Reeves has returned despite the uh, Buccaneers' loss. How are you feeling, my friend? Uh, always good to be with the doctor. It is a terrible Tuesday to air grievances. I think we need a T-shirt. Any cave is a good cave. I'm in for that. Okay, good, Let's good. market that, please, if we can, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the program. By the way, Numchuck did put me up to this. We do have breaking news to begin the segment. Hamburgers on the grill. And you do have to appreciate that in the Eastern time zone, it is already dark. Yes. Hamburgers being grilled partially in the dark with daylight savings time here. Uh, So I I have concluded dinner and have not set the back half of the house on fire. Mission accomplished. 
Dinner will be consumed while you and I converse, my friend. Okay, now you just opened up a, a big old. Uh, we may not get to any sports now. Okay, so here are the here are the questions. Okay, you're on the grill. You're the grill master. Number one, are you wearing a white hat? Are you wearing wearing? Incorrect. A okay, good. Negative ghost rider. Apron. Do not even own one. Apron. Don't own the apron. Good. Do not own the okay, chef hat. That's no. that's strong. Do you got one of those steel turners there, like a a professional turner? Or are you yes. going, okay, that's nice. Now Correct. that was a Father's Day wait. gift many years ago. Yes. I think it's now did been you... put into. Uh, into uh, motion, yes. yes. Are you calling it a Turner? Uh, flipper, Turner, what do you call spatula? it? Spatula? Spatula. Yeah, spatula. I refer to as a burger spatula, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. but the spatula, I call more of the spatula for the indoors. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I'm i going to go Turner. Anyway, let's get to the to the meat of this conversation, my friend. Are you an 85-15 guy, a 93-7 guy? And we're not talking FM here. No, we're talking about, you know, the... <laughs> The the meat the burger you, you know what I'm this, talking about. Hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done. Fifteen, I think. I, okay, I, I'm good for eighty five fifteen because you don't want you know the fat. You don't want the eighty twenty. But TJ Reeves, are you molding the burgers yourself with your clean hands? I hope, or are you getting the the prepackaged patties? So these were the prepackaged from the butcher. Um, and they are seasoned by me in this case. Okay. Full disclosure, while we've completely digressed, Mrs. Reeves has taken your surrogate nieces over to junior varsity basketball practice. <laughs> yes. So this was a one-man show tonight. Would season the hamburgers, get them on the grill, get them off the grill, and then presumably those two will be back in about 90 minutes to inhale them. Wait, wait, wait. 90 uh, minutes? Wait, what are you talking well, about? It's a, two it, hour pra- it's a two hour practice. No, no, no. So, wait, wait, here's what I don't understand. You're going to serve them leftover hamburgers? I mean, these hamburgers. Not leftover, just warmed. And again, you have to appreciate. I realize the sun is still out. 90 in the minutes? Strip, no one's eating a hamburger. It's sitting for 90 it, minutes. It, you should not. It's even. It, look, it's even darker and scarier at 8 p.m. Eastern time to be grilling this stuff. You'd, so have, you do, you'd have a fence. Now, Nubchuck, okay, please do not call the protect, Child Protective Services. They're serving these kids 90-minute-old hamburgers. This is insane. I've never heard of such McDonald's, a thing. Wait, wait. McDonald's built their empire on the 90-minute uh, Big Macs and, and hamburgers and cheeseburgers. Remember how they all used to sit there under the warmer for like a day <laughs> and then serve them? So. And how many people have gotten sick off of McDonald's? Yeah, botulism. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) TJ Reeves, you couldn't have just like, okay, you you and Miss Jennifer eat yours in the leisurely comfort of your own home, watching some TV. she's partaking as we speak. Okay. She's partaking. Okay, but then then the good dad... Just gives them fresh burgers. They'll take you 11 minutes, probably max, and give them some fresh burgers. Just I need twice. more appreciation from you that this is pitch dark where you're trying to grill outside <laughs> get and get this light. Come on. Don't you have a porch light out there? I mean, come on. A backyard we do, light? We do have a porch light, oh, but I was not geez. grilling by porch light tonight. I got it done in time. And there's right. the update. There's right. the Reeves food update final, on Terrible no, Tuesday. Final question. Final answer. Final question. Sesame seed or not? Sesame seed buns? No, negative. These are plain buns tonight. Plain buns. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, I'm a sesame seed guy, but that's okay. Tater tots in the air fryer, apparently, as we speak, I'm being told. There are hand signals going on. Okay, that's good. Tater tots, because the next question was going to be fries, fresh cut, tater tots, frozen, or potato chips, which are all acceptable. Tater tots frozen in the air fryer is the update, Commander. There you go. What is the TJ seasoning? (laughs) 
Oh yeah, what's that? Is that uh, Lowry's? The uh, brand of Montreal, whatever it is, Montreal steak seasoning. Montreal seasoning tonight. What are we? We're going. We're going. For I, believe, I believe that is a prominent steak seasoning. It was best available. Sometimes you got to go to best available, doctor. You know this in your professional and personal life. Sometimes you got to go best available. Uh, that was best available. That was the steak seasoning available. I went to it. When Paul Buckpower Stewart comes, is he a burger yes. guy? Is he a burger guy? I mean, he actually is, uh, and our mutual friend has, I guess, cleared Interpol and will be making his way to the continental United States within the next 36 hours. Wow. I wow. wow that's... Breaking news, he will be in Tampa Bay for the epic, and I mean epic on a terrible Tuesday, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tennessee Titans showdown coming Sunday, because 50 years from now, when we look back on NFL football, they'll be talking about early November 2023 Buccaneers-Titans. Good doctor. Uh, Tampa Bay, a one and a half point favorite in this game, my friend. There you go. All right, I got game losing streak, my friend. It's not good right now. I got to get something going. Need I, some good love. Need some Doctor Mojo. Need yes. something. Need some defense. Well, here's right the deal. Now on a terrible I, I, I got I got to get your take on this, okay? Because it was part of the terrible Tuesday about the way that this game ended, and not so much I was bagging on the Buccaneers. I mean, they 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 did spit the bit and they and they gave it away with the touchdown uh, drive with 46 seconds to go with no timeouts and uh, C.J. Stroud, I believe, what was a. Uh, Six for six. No, they had two timeouts. Oh, don't they make did. It, don't make it as horrific as, as okay. no timeouts. Okay, they good. did have two. Okay, but I know he didn't uh went no incomplete passes except he went the the spike, uh the kill the clock. I get that. All right, but here's the deal, Leo. All right, so let's first let's let's go in sequential order here. So Baker Mayfield leads the Buccaneers down three at the time to the touchdown for the uh four point lead. Uh correct. Give me your thoughts. And uh, your broadcast and your mates as uh, Baker Mayfield looked to seemingly have a game-winning touchdown drive. Were you feeling, what percentage, T.J. Reeves, were you feeling the Bucks got the victory? Two or three things. So the first thing is Stroud had been torching the defense in the second half as it was, but you still get that opportunity in the final minute where at worst you're tying the game with a field goal with the clock running out to go to overtime. Or can you get the seven? So Mayfield scrambled, and you may have seen this for the audience on the galactically famous T.C. Martin show. You may have seen this on the highlights or on the Internet. He scrambles, makes an amazing, elusive play to scramble and get about three yards out of the pocket when it looked like he was going to be sacked and the game's going to be over at that point if he's sacked because the Bucks only have one timeout left. But he gets away on fourth down, gets the first down. They get a completion on a wild play to the rookie receiver, Trey Palmer. He gets stripped of the ball. So we got a fumble. Texans have a chance to recover the fumble, and again, the game is over if they do. Instead, Mike Evans outfights a couple of them and recovers the fumble. So now we have the officials do one of their uh, NATO conferences that, that have now just become regular, stand around, can't figure it out. They're listening to New York in their earpieces, try to tell them what the call is. So that takes about a 60-second delay on where are we marking the ball? Is there going to be a 10-second runoff? And this is where Todd Bowles is taking some criticism because there were 49 seconds left. If he takes the 10-second runoff, there's 39 seconds left. And my understanding is the clock would have rolled at that point, forcing Houston to decide, do we take the timeout with two left or not while the clock is rolling? And the Bucks score on the first play anyway on the touchdown to Otten. And I will tell you my honest reaction was when the touchdown was scored with whatever it was, 39, 40 seconds left, 
They left them a lot of time. They are going to have to have a touchdown, but they left them. I mean, 40 seconds with two timeouts left. 46 to be exact. Easily yeah. five or six plays, Doctor. Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay, so now the Bucks got the lead, uh, and they need, you know, the Texans need a touchdown. You got a four point lead. You're watching this final drive unfold right in front of you there, and you're seeing the magic of CJ Stroud. And I, and I was watching this. Uh, in the press box before the Raiders game, and I saw the dink and dunk for the first couple passes, and I figured, okay, you know, this this game's over, and I retreated to my seat uh, for kickoff in, in Raiderland. <laughs> and next thing I know, I'm getting my phone's blowing up, and I've got Gilby the intern who says, "Can you believe they went Neil Diamond?" and 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 I got my my backdoor cover with Tampa Bay, and I go. What are you talking about? And I had no idea that C.J. Stroud led him down the field. So, but anyway, we'll get to the ending in a minute. So as you're watching C.J. Stroud work his magic, at what point did you say, oh, no, this is curtains for the Bucks? Not until the final play, because I thought even after they got the completion, you still have everything in front of you, and they've still got to go 20 yards-ish, 15, 18, 20 yards. And you've got a chance to stop them, and they have no time out left. If you tackle anybody in bounds, the game is over. They're not going to get the clock stopped. So, uh, but uh, amazingly, just what happened really the whole second half, the zone defense that the Bucks sat in barbecued over and over again and give the Texans credit, give Stroud the credit that he deserves. Doctor, he threw for 334 yards in the second half, in the second half of the game on five scoring drives. Uh, it's remarkable. I don't know that he's going to sustain and be a great quarterback in the NFL. Again, he threw for 150 yards the previous week against a bad Carolina team. So maybe he will figure it out. Ohio State does not have a long history of quarterbacks succeeding in the NFL. I don't know how long-term he will succeed, but he's certainly riding high after that one. Uh, and it's a, it's a devastating situation there. You could have snapped a three game losing streak if you had just gotten the stop. I mean, he had roasted the defense for much, much of the second half, but the offense gives you the lead and you need one play. You need one stop, something, a takeaway, a sack fumble, a pick, something to end the game. And you couldn't get it. And the, and the worst possible thing happens. They get the touchdown. They get the win. I want Numbchuck to try to find uh, the final call there. The, the the legendary Gene Deckerhoff, as you well know, uh, it, it, that was obviously in your earpiece. I mean, what was that call like as, as uh, C.J. Stroud hits Tank Dell for the game-winning touchdown from 16 yards out? Well, you're on the you're on the opposing sideline. I'm on the opposing sideline, and that was away from us in the far corner. But I saw I saw him break open. I saw the ball go right to him. And you're standing there going, there goes the post-game show. They didn't make the play, so instead of a happy post-game show, now it's going to be a funeral. Now it's going to be library quiet. So, uh, unfortunate, because this was a season that started off well at 3-1, and but now you got a team that is is absolutely searching. There's no doubt about that. T.J. Reeves joins us, a Bucs sideline reporter, and unfortunately he was on the broadcast as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers lose again and then a dreadful fashion there at the end as the – Texans get the uh, touchdown with 16 seconds to go. The 16 you're doing seconds. your usual fantastic job of cheering me up after yes. a Buccaneer loss. I just want you to know you're remaining consistent. No, so here's the deal. I mean, this is where the controversy was in Vegas. All right, I don't know if you were aware of it or not, but the line was two and a half. So right, CJ, three. right, so, right, yeah, it was yeah, two and a half all across the board. There were actually some twos. So here's the deal. So now it's 39-37. Of course, you trot out the kicker, whether he's injured or not, or anybody to uh, TJ Reeves himself, who has some eligibility left. We can only use that for college. But anyway, kick the PAT. You're up three. You do not leave 
anyone, even in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with six seconds to go, a chance to potentially get a game-winning field goal and win the game. Instead, C.J. Stroud, they don't kick the PAT. They decide have, to go look, for two. Hold on, they go for I've two. Seen this before, and they don't go I've for two. It. They go Neil Diamond. It's insane. I've, <laughs> I've seen this before on a terrible Tuesday where other teams have done this. And what they're thinking, because again, as you mentioned, they've got a reserve running back, who, by the way, just the cherry on top of all the fiasco, the reserve running back is a former Buccaneer running back for a couple of seasons, <laughs> Dario Gunbawale. He's a backup in Houston. Uh, he, had, he had been practicing field goals and extra points briefly at halftime because the, the Texans kicker hurt himself uh, on the long field goal at the end of the first half. But they're standing there going, okay, there are negative scenarios here where they can block the extra point and run it for two. Or if we go for two and there's a sack fumble or a pick, it can go the other way. Uh, we saw that in the Colorado game with Oregon State Saturday night when Oregon State went for two and they stripped them on the fumble and ran the other way. So they're, they're just playing every eventuality and said, we're not going to lose or potentially go to overtime in this case. On a two-point yeah, play. You don't lose. Watch. Yeah, it's terrible. It's, you're playing right. scared. You're playing not. Are you kidding me? You can't convert a PAT or you can't com complete a two-yard run pass or whatever without turn, and it's going to go all the way back. I mean, that is insane thinking. If that's the case, why are we going for it on any fourth down, for that matter? Why are we just right. punt on third down with that type of mindset? Well, they had gone, it's, look, it's they had gone for it on fourth down a couple of times in field goal range late in the game, then they got close enough to, kick, to have him kick a field goal about halfway through the fourth quarter. And then, uh, obviously, a field goal did you no good at the end of the game had it come down to that uh, because you were down four. So, yeah, it was a crazy ending, and I realized the Vegas, the Vegas angle was part of it when they knelt down. They also understood, you know, why not kick off here, kick it deep, and then the, and then the Buccaneers have to try to navigate in six seconds, 75 yards for a touchdown. Uh, or, you know, what we were talking about, too, was try to throw something across midfield maybe down to the 40 of Houston and see if you could get a flag on the play right. where you've got an untimed down sure. and then another Hail Mary or perhaps yeah. a, an extra long field goal of your own. The but in any event, uh, none of that came to fruition and the Texans get the win. And, and here's the thing. Like you said, Agumba Wally kicked a successful 29-yard field goal earlier. He already hit one. Now you kick a PAT. It, it just cracks me up. It cracks me up it just uh, how these these teams are playing, you know, not to lose or they're afraid. Uh, you're aggressive for aggressive for you know 59 minutes and, and 40 seconds, but then oh no, we're we're scared. It's 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 crazy, and you wouldn't even have lost. I mean, if that one percent chance happened, okay, it's tied. That would it happen. ties the game. It, it it it's crazy. All right, my friend. But then under that scenario, you're kicking off in a tie game. Yeah. Where who knows? But yeah. Uh, look, the Bucks have got to find a way to regroup. They've got a lot of talented players, and Todd Bowles is under fire here. That's not a nuclear secret for how bad the defense was. Let's see if they can regroup. And oh goody, DeAndre Hopkins. And, uh, and the big rookie quarterback, Will Levis, come into town here. And you know, watching that game tape, they are, they are wanting a piece of the Buccaneers and their secondary. So we shall see what happens on Sunday, my friend. All right, T.J. Reeves also does plenty of college football during the course of the year. Uh, what do you got coming up here, my friend? All right, so nothing in the immediate. I did work the NC State win over Clemson a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Big uh, bounce back for Clemson against Notre Dame, although it's a four-loss uh, season for them, and I'll be. I'm, I'm fascinated on a terrible Tuesday. Have you been ranting on this whole thing with the Big Ten doing nothing about Jim Harbaugh, and they're apparently going to let this float along and see if Penn State beats them or not? 
this week to help take care of the problem because I believe their hesitation, the Big Ten, is they believe that Michigan's got a chance to be in the college football playoff and maybe even have two teams again with Ohio State, and they want that money. They want to check. Sure. So they don't want to discipline them despite the other coaches and the other ADs of the other 13 schools right now saying, what the hey? I mean, how much more evidence do you have to have of what's been going on in violation of Big Ten rules here on scouting in advance on the other team, not allowed, videotaping signals, obviously not allowed. How much more do you have to have? But it appears on a terrible Tuesday, the Big Ten terribly uh, is just sitting back and saying, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to do anything until it, until it uh, naturally plays out here and maybe Michigan will lose. Well, here's the, I, I don't think that's the case, TJ. What I think here is, is that, uh, you know, they issued a, you know, the, the statement or whatever to, uh, the letter to Michigan and they have till tomorrow to respond. So they're waiting for that response. They're trying to go through the due diligence. You're right. They've, they've got the investigation going. All that points to that. But I think where the, the, the big question mark is, what do you do? Okay. Because again, this is, this is off script here. I mean, there, there is no like, okay, if you do this, then this is the penalty. This is the punishment. They fired the Hammenager who did this already. Uh, Harbaugh subject to uh, further suspension, fines, p- potential firing. I have no idea. But the NCAA is kind of like backing off and they're letting the conference, you know, deal with this situation. I think the big something is going to happen here. So I don't think they're just going to turn a blind eye to it. It's just like, what is going to be the, the repercussions? Do you legitimately and, and what, believe they're going to do anything to him before the Penn State game Saturday? Because uh, I don't think they will. Well, I don't, I don't know, think they're doing anything to them. But here's week. the deal. I, I don't know if that matters. Uh, you know, who cares if it's done You know, tomorrow, Friday, next Saturday, or a, a week from now? I mean, that really doesn't hinge on anything as regard to you know, uh, college football playoffs. What about playoffs this hypothetical? Go ahead. What about this hypothetical? What if the Big Ten comes forward and says forfeiture of games this year? If we can document that this has been going on for future opponents, you're going to forfeit those games. I don't. I'm not saying they would ever do that, but that. I mean, you talk about dropping a hammer on them. Yeah. That would then obviously eliminate them from the Big Ten championship game, especially if you can demonstrate multiple times. Some have also suggested, and this is something that could also work, make them ineligible for the Big Ten title game. Now, again, you're cutting your own throat there financially, but you could come out as the Big Ten and say, this investigation has determined there is a widespread cheating scandal, and you're ineligible to play in the Big Ten title game regardless of what your record is. All Even right. if you finish undefeated, you're ineligible. What do you, what do you think of that, Doctor? I, 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 don't, I don't like or think any of that because here's the deal. All right, you're going to find out here in the, probably the next coming days that Michigan is not the only guilty party here. Okay, Ohio State is, is going to be, uh, their name is thrown in here because Michigan has submitted a report saying they have proof that Ohio State's done this. Uh, I think Rutgers has done this, other things. This is widespread and again, it's not cheating. Okay, this this whole thing—it's not cheating. Now you can't take away a, a bowl opportunity for these kids. The only thing you can do is you can uh, take care of you know the university and fire your coach. You fire the people that are involved, but the, you don't take away victories because this is not. There's no correlation of this resulting into points for one team or points for another team. Okay, this were, hold this, on. No, I, ha- I have to stop. No, no, role. it's Slow not cheating, role. TJ. This Slow whole cheating. Role. No, right, the first thing is it's not cheating. It is cheating if there is a Big Ten rule that says you're not allowed to do it, and they've been doing it. So fundamentally, 
You but that has nothing. On that, one. that has nothing to do with the results of the game. Okay, nothing all, to do with if points. You are sitting here on the galactically famous yes. TC Martin show on a Tuesday afternoon, apparently sober, apparently with your full faculties, and saying that knowing every play that's coming from the defense or from the offense is not an advantage. That you're not gaining any advantage, which is what you just said. Good Lord, you're gaining an advantage. No, no, if you know what the defense you is. You still got to still know, but that's not the case. If you know what no, the play that's is, not the case. Pass, that you you're obviously they, an advantage. They don't know every play. That's the, See, that's the, the inferation here. I like that word I just used. You're inferring. You're, you're, you're taking one step from one to ten there, and you got to look at all nine steps. No, that's not the case. But see, that is the mindset that media have out there because they've never coached, they've never played. You still have to physically stop, and there's no evidence. Evidence here, you know everything is happening. That's why it's a joke. There is you take wait, out. Wait, wait, wait. I, I no, don't no. know if the doctor's been so involved in the WNBA world and the end of the baseball. Okay, listen, listen, listen. There's hey, documented okay, evidence. Listen, I, listen. There, hold on. No, there's documented no, I'm, I'm evidence. I'm going to just cut you off right now because you're taking this to another level. Okay, you ask me my opinion. I'm giving you the opinion, and the bottom line is you can't infer all of this other nonsense, and that's what okay, it is. I'm not inferring. Here, it's, let me. Help it, the word inferring means that I don't have evidence that but I can't back that it up. That does not result not in wins or losses. There's evidence of this guy standing exactly. next to the defensive coordinator and that's and the end of it. That's the end of it. And, right. And telling him the play that's about to be run right before it's run. That's not inference, doctor. That's what was that actually going on. That doesn't change any results. That doesn't change results. You but know what changes the results? Absolutely. Match have an fixing, though. Okay? Referees and not starting a clock on time and those sort of things. Those affect the games. That's cheating when it's in-house cheating. This isn't Okay, you can't do those things, okay? But what what if there, if that was the case, then you would have bylaws that say this happens, then this is the repercussions of that. They don't have that because well, that's the big and that's you've got the a guy wrote for not having yeah. the what if. But because people don't like it, argument. because people don't like it, and then they say, okay, well, this should happen or whatever. There's nothing in place to say that you should take it away. Well, is it a bad we'll look? They rule or what yeah, they don't it's rule. a horrible bad I, look. I can't go along on a yeah. terrible Tuesday with my hamburger getting cold that they had no advantage. They are now 24 and 1. 24 because they're and 1 that good. Inference. That's their the beginning because, of 20 or the middle of the 2021 season. Because they're, they're that good, TJ. And one, they are that good. This has been going on. They're that good. That that has not giving them the right. reason to win. Ohio State beat them eight times in a row prior to 2021. Michigan has rolled them in each of the last two games, especially in the game last year in Columbus, where Ryan Day came out of that game essentially saying they knew everything we were about to do. In the game, on both there sides of the ball, okay. and now we know. And that now used to be applauded, right? And, why. And, and that was gamesmanship that used to be applauded until this new fraction of people came up, oh, we shouldn't do that. When that was applauded and was part of the gamesmanship going back to baseball 100 years. Well, no, but I mean, it's one, it's one thing if you can pick up a sign or a signal on your own on the fly. My friend, we are five levels beyond this. You realize, not inference. And they're the not FBI the only ones doing it. So now you're going to find FBI out that all these other schools are the doing Michigan it too. football program because the co-offensive coordinator was hacking into, apparently, other schools' stuff and has it on a school computer 
and the FBI has the computer, and this is the co-offensive coordinator. So to act like that everybody does this and it's not that big a deal. Oh, you will find out. You will find out. You, it, it, it's in the paperwork that now everyone's calling all these other schools out as well, too, because that's it, not saying that it's right or wrong, but to, to sit there and say that they should have uh, these victories stripped away or they shouldn't go to a bowl game or that's why they're winning. That's why they beat Ohio State. That's why they're beating everybody. They're beating everybody because they've had a soft schedule and they're much better. And they have the same basically returning talent they've had for the last couple of years because they are that good. I don't care about Michigan, it, but it just, it's crazy how people want to get a hold of a story and they want to try to create their own rules of this is why they're winning. It's not why they're winning because they're far superior than the garbage they've played so far this year. Plain and simple. I don't condone this, you know, the sign stealing or whatever, but make those people pay, make the university pay. But don't take away victories and take away kids an opportunity to to go and play in a bowl game. That is what I'm saying is ridiculous. Don't don't take it on the kids. The, the kids does. didn't do anything. Yeah, the, uh, they they are participating knowingly, unknowingly, and by and by the way, there's video evidence of all of them knowing what all these checks are because they go over it. They but go it over depends it in the practice, who you talk watching to. The other stuff. Listen, it depends who you talk to. Okay, Tim Brando is a mutual friend of ours mm -hmm. who broadcasts these games. Tim Brando mm -hmm. said there are no findings that Michigan's Jim Harbaugh had sign-stealing allegations. Nothing. Okay, so it depends really who you're talking to here. So let's okay. let, let him what let him planet, do the report. What planet are you on right now that he has no idea that this is going on? Because my friend, we got to get you back to Earth. I'm reality. just saying you're he you're going by you have zero knowledge. You're going by going on, on what you're watching on TV and what you're reading. Benefiting from it. That's all. And, and I can tell you this: whatever Michigan is playing, who, paying whomever to defend them, they should hire you for the. Alternate reality spin. No, I'm just not the conspiracy the theory guy. Lives. I'm not the conspiracy theory guy that just jumps to conclusions. But, you it's know, not a conspiracy it, theory. It is. The again, guy bought tickets to over 20 different opponents. I said we, we know that. Under we, his own name, so, by the way. we know that. We know all that. We we know and all that's that. Illegal. You know yes. that, right? We, He's not allowed to advance scout. You know that, right? Yes. Yes. Right. Understand. You know, there's video but, evidence. Of him standing next to the offensive and defensive coordinator, but that doesn't translate. Happen. You don't, that's not inference. Yeah. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's what's been going on. You understand that Jim Harbaugh has been a mediocre coach under fire until the middle of 2021, and suddenly they're invincible at the time and that's that this why. is cranked up. And that's why. That's not, in, that's that's not why. inference. That's it's it. a fact. That's, no, you're saying that the only reason there, you just said it. The only reason they are winning is because of that nonsense. That is insane for you to say. The only reason, no, that, but it's a very compelling you reason. Just when said, you know that's why they beat. <laughs> that's why they beat Ohio State so soundly. That's what you just said. I said they knew every play that was coming, and it's yeah. an advantage. It's not the only reason, mm -hmm. but to but, sit but here that offense on still had to be... and act like that okay. somebody with tin foil on their but, hat making up things that don't exist. But that offense still had to score black and white. What they've been doing forty plus points to win the game. The offense still had to score, right? They still had to score those points. They knew what was. By coming. the way, as uh, as more than one person I think pointed out with Sonny Dykes and TCU, this is very interesting. And when you go back and watch what went on. Michigan's defense was so outstanding at the end of the Big Ten season, including in the Big Ten title game. They get into the playoff game with TCU and can't stop them for three hours and for four quarters. 
And you know what Sonny Dykes told everybody? We figured out that they had our signals in the first quarter. And so what we did is we started changing plays to different signals, and they couldn't stop us once when we did it. Right. To your yeah. point. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Again. So anyway, they're... we'll see what the Big Ten does or doesn't do. I just hope we can get you back to uh, reality on it has nothing to do with them winning, and Jim Har- Jim Harbaugh has no idea that it's going on. The next thing you're going to tell me is that Santa Claus has no idea what the elves are doing all yeah. the way up until all December right. 20th. Go, you go look at that Mich- go look at that Michigan schedule, and you tell me that that's that's why they're winning. They're, they're a superior football team that against everyone they play and won since the middle of 2021 when this began to crank up. And, Twenty-four and one, and they have the number one his recruiting, record before the, that. Yeah, recruiting his record before that is probably about ten games. I don't know why you are so consumed with this and why you care so much about. I, I really don't, especially when again you're reading specific stories that you want to read, but then I sit there and tell you that there's another report coming on out that 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 says the opposite of that. Again, this is this is what, what drives what me nuts the about media. He's standing next to the coaches that are on the field. Granted, that guy is fired. He, he is what, gone. What? And like I said, if you That's want to, if that. you want to reprimand Jim Harbaugh and his staff and these people, then you do it. But again, there is no TJ Reeves 100% correlation that that's why they're winning. You don't take away victories. That is insane. Okay. That's insane. <laughs> You're not, you know, I don't know. I, go, go read 24 and one, 24 and one, baby, with the no correlation. All right. Stay on that hill. You can die on that hill. Enjoy. I might come save you. You can co- die on that hill. Who gave who the code red? That's what I want to know. Just go ahead. Exactly. Just go ahead. And, exactly. And, and Connor he, Stallions had an opportunity Friday afternoon to explain himself to the university and explain what he'd been doing. Oh, he's did gu- he show up at the hearing or did he leave and he's get fired? Gu- again, no one's backing him. He, he's guilty as charged. And if he did nothing wrong, then why didn't he explain himself? Well, uh, who said he didn't do anything what? wrong? I said he's guilty. What? Everyone knows he's guilty. The proof is there that he did that. Okay, again, you're you're not listening to what I'm saying. I said the correlation of taking away victories. That's what I'm talking about. That's that's. Well, let's see what the Big Ten does. And if they do nothing, like I believe, they're going to do nothing this week and let it play out. And if Penn State beats Michigan, then it becomes much easier to punish Michigan. It's much harder to punish Michigan. Can we not agree before I go eat my hamburger? <laughs> Your cold if hamburger. Michigan has won the game and they're ten and zero. And they're breathing on the college football playoff. And that's what they're fearful of because yeah. everybody shares in that money, including the Big Ten office. Of course. Again, there's many, many layers to it. And that's what started this. You asked me, you know, are they going to do something before or whatever? And I go, I don't th- think that, that they're really worried about that. That really has nothing to do with the situation with if it's done before Penn State, after Penn State, or whatever. I mean, they can always, if they decide to take away victories, they can do that at any point in time. They want to gather all the information because they are in uncharted territory here. They've never had to deal with this. So, okay, this guy's guilty the university's guilty harbaugh's already been suspended once probably be suspended again could be fired who knows what okay then what do you do after that they don't know yet that's why it's going to take time so i wouldn't say that they're not going to do anything obviously they're going to do something you're saying they're not going to do it they're going to do something they just I, don't I know when again don't know when to replay it i was saying they're not going to do anything this week before right. the Penn State game. right and it, it really it, that's really there's no rush to this because they want to get it right right 
I, I don't know. In your world, they've done nothing wrong, and Harbaugh doesn't know anything about what's no, going on. No, no, no. It's okay. Again, again according Michigan, to the you rules, have, you have they've done the it wrong. 20, 20 minutes of my existence, well, i got to reheat my hamburger a second time, <laughs> trying to tell me that there's no big You could have left any time you wanted to, my friend. You just <laughs> want to hear yourself talk. I'm just saying, for the record, again, okay? Right. The, that the, you have that no he's, clue what you're talking about. You, Thank you. No, yeah, listen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love you. You like to be a guest on the show, and you like to run it and we're telling me what I'm thinking. Okay. Again, I don't need to explain myself to you at all. It's just that again, guilty is charged. No doubt about it. No question. But what I'm saying is, so you understand me that that whole sign stealing thing is such an overrated charge. There it is. Overrated. That's why. It's 24 so- and one since the middle of 2021. Yeah. If it's overrated, yeah. then why are they not average because Why are they they're not decent because they have the number one recruiting class or number two or three recruiting class every year that's why my friend they have some of the best players in the country as you know it's got nothing to do with we know what's coming against purdue give me you change the signs up they couldn't stop them once and, and, in the, and in again, semifinal game. And, and go read some more stories and then you'll get some more information that will either counterdict that or you'll see that these other schools that are being named as well again i'm, I'm looking at the latest report other schools now are are, un, are getting investigated as we speak because it's rampant my friend that's all. Well, let's see Enjoy. if that part comes out. Yeah. But we do know this. We do know what Michigan's been doing. We do know what their record is. And I don't believe the Big Ten's going to do anything this week, but we'll find out all sooner right. or later. All right. Enjoy enjoy your hamburger, even though it's... Can it's, I go eat the hamburger now? Well, you could have eaten it an hour ago. I didn't get... I, I don't know why you're cooking during the middle of a show. You, know, you wait for the twins, you cook it fresh, or you cook it earlier, you do it twice. I, I don't know. Do I need to come run the household over there? I don't get this. I want twins eating fresh food, okay? They come to the Cosmopolitan, they're eating fresh food. Let's go, baby. Dunkin' Donuts. Fresh donuts on a Saturday morning, right? Amen. That will be, well, I don't know about fresh at Dunkin', but it will be donuts. Good point. On a Sunday. On a Saturday, yes. And on a, on a Sunday, my Bucks are back with the Titans. Right. I'm, I'm I look forward for to uh, seeing if they can snap their losing streak and brighten up my world here a little bit. And in the meantime, behave yourself out in the desert. And let's get Buck Power on the show so we can uh, get both you guys on. Let's do that. He will be in the continental U.S. coming shortly in the next sober. 36 hours, a, and we'll see what happens after that. A sober Buck Power. That's what we need, a sober Buck Power. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. Good luck on game day. Uh, see you later, Take care. Enjoy. TJ Reeves. <laughs> Am I going to get those 40 minutes back? Ugh. Terrible Tuesday. I do exactly what I want to do. It's, it's the, the Dr. T.C. Martin. You say I'm insane? I say thank you very much. The doctor is now in. California. Back at the Westgate, Las Vegas, inside the Superbook on Friday. Marco D'Angelo out. Big Al. I don't know if Big Al's going to make it on Friday. He could be eating or in a bowling tournament or something. But uh, Jay Cornegay, our good friend, uh, Mark McMillan joined us uh, as well, too, on Friday. The former Eagle, the former Chief, and Alabama. 
defensive back back in the day. How about the Tide? They're looking like, uh, you know, they could be in the thick of things here with a one loss uh, currently right now. And they had a beat down over LSU last week. Uh, that was a great uh, performance by uh, Alabama over LSU. All right. So, uh, yeah, come on, see the show live 2 to 4 p.m. Of course, at the Westgate Las Vegas coming at you this Friday. Best bet segment and a whole lot more. All right. Um, we've got some Major League Baseball news to talk about, and we touched upon some of the managerial hirings and changes going on yesterday. I uh, want to dive into that a little bit more, and especially kind of from a Terrible Tuesday perspective. Craig Council, manager of the Brewers since 2015, leaves the Brewers and signs a five-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. Now, good for Craig Council, a five-year deal for $40 million. That's $8 million a season, and that is the largest amount of money for a manager in the history of Major League Baseball. Let me say that again. It is the largest contract, an annual salary of $8 million per year for a manager in the history of Major League Baseball. You can always um, wish a guy good luck, wants to leave a job, wants to try to better himself. I, I understand that. But this is not sitting too well with Brewer's owner, Mark Atancio. He, he's not happy about this because he admitted that he was stunned by Craig Council joining the Cubs. He said he did not feel betrayed, but his response was when Antanasio met with Craig Council and Council told them that he was leaving the Brewers to take a job with the Cubs. Already had the interview. Cubs already offered them a job. He met with the Brewers owner and the owner's response was, are you messing with me? How about that conversation? Hey, come on in, Craig. Okay, you know, uh, we know we talked about getting you a new contract here, so let's uh, talk about it. Uh, I'm going to stop you there, Mark. Um, I took a job with the Cubs. And Mark Antonio's comment was, are you messing with me? <laughs> That's what he said. Council was with the Brewers for 17 years as a player, as a coach, and as a manager. Nine seasons with the Brew Crew. Five playoff appearances, three National League Central Division titles in the last six years. But Craig Council never led the Brewers to a National League pennant or World Series appearance. Mark uh, um, Antonio said this, We're all here today because we lost Craig, but I reflected on this. Craig has lost us, and he's lost our community also. So some strong words from the owner. He, he says he did not feel betrayed, but he was shocked. He was amazed because not only is he leaving Milwaukee, but he's going to the Cubs for more money, and that is your division opponent, your division foe, and uh, a team that finished second to the Milwaukee Brewers this year. And we've pretty much seen over the last few years that those two teams have been uh, – been battling. It's a friendly rivalry. It always has been. I mean, you're talking about these these teams are an hour and a half apart. Uh, great, 
fan bases, both in Milwaukee and Chicago. But um, the Brewers offered Council a contract, would have made him the highest paid manager. But uh, Council said, nope, I'm, I'm moving on. So just kind of bad for the Brewers. Kind of bad for the Brewers as they kind of feel like this is one of our own. This is a guy that played here. He was a coach here. He was a manager here. But Milwaukee has always been one of those tight-budgeted teams where they need to get it done with a, a lesser payroll, and they had to make sure that they worked the farm system right. They've gotten free agents you know, over the course of the last you know, 10, 15 years or so, but they're usually part-time players that come at the trading deadline. But they did lock up guys like Christian Yelich for a long time. They're paying him a lot of money. And they've tried doing that with a couple pitchers. Hasn't worked out long-term for them. But uh, the Brewers have been competitive. And if you're Craig Council, I get it. Okay? Even though you love Milwaukee, played there as a player. I mean, heck, he could have continued managing there in Milwaukee. And this guy would be a Hall of Famer uh, in the Brewers Hall, Hall of Fame there. He, he definitely would be. But now just you wonder how that's going to play out. Five years, $40 million, $8 million per season, and he's jumping over to the Cubs. Now you got to wonder um, what happens with uh, David Ross. What's going to what happens with him? Now we know that the Cubs have already said, okay, you're not coming back to manage. He still had one year left on his contract, but they did say that they were going to offer him another spot within the organization. So um, now the council's there. How's that going to work for Rossi? Does he try to get a job somewhere else? Can Rossi get a job with another team? I don't know. I mean, he was okay with the Cubs, but the reason why they decided to move on from him because then he, he couldn't lead him to a title, couldn't couldn't lead him deep into the postseason. So we'll see what the Cubs uh, do from here. Uh, we mentioned the other managerial moves uh, yesterday. Mendoza, Yankees bench coach, is now the manager of the New York Mets. Going to be holding a press conference uh, with that coming up. Stephen Voigt has no managerial experience, no coaching experience, period. Uh, he's going to be managing the Cleveland Guardians now. But you still got a couple jobs that are open right now. And one being the Houston Astros. And the Astros have been silent since Dusty announced that he was not coming back. And um, very interesting dynamic there because obviously that is the best job right now because you have all of that returning talent. Verlander will be back for another year. You got Bregman, you got Altuve at least for another couple of years. Um, Jordan Alvarez. Um, the the young studs, you know, that have been coming up uh, through the farm there. Jeremy Pena still there. So Astros got a lot of tools. Uh, conventional wisdom says they're going to go with Joe Espada, who's been the manager and waiting there. Um, he was the bench coach for Dusty the past few years. Been with the organization a long time. Worked his way up, but they have not announced a spot as a guy because they could be going through um some deliberations. Jim Crane is a very active owner. Uh, ever since the fiasco went down with the Astros and the cheating scandal, you know, going back, uh, 
2017, 2019, when they let A.J. Hinch go, uh, Crane has been an active part. It was Jim Crane who went and got Dusty. So Dana Brown, he is their general manager. Not sure he's going to have much of a voice in that. And Jeff Bagwell, who doesn't officially have a position with the Astros, but Bags actually has uh, has the ear of Jim Crane. And, and Bagwell is very involved in a lot of the day-to-day operations with the Houston Astros. So that is a job that is out there. Are the Astros going to go outside? Are they going to go maybe with Brad Osmus, somebody like that, uh, who used to play for the Astros? So uh, Astros have, have got some big decisions to make who is going to be their next manager because they've got pretty much everything in place, you know, right now as far as a uh, personnel side from from players, from hitting to pitching, all that stuff. So uh, that is a job uh, that is still open. And then you wonder what else is going to happen uh, in San Diego as well, Tom. I know. All right. Um, tomorrow, we're back at it as we get ready for a midweek hump day. All right. Good stuff on the way. Coming your way tomorrow, Lincoln Kennedy will join us tomorrow as we talk Raiders. Link, the uh, former great offensive lineman, does a fantastic job on the radio side on the Raiders radio network. He will join us as he customarily does every couple weeks. So uh, look forward to talking with him. Plus, a whole lot more coming your way as well, too. And we look forward to UNLV tangling on Friday night on the football side. They've got two losses right now and still hopes uh, for a major bowl game for them as they got to take on Wyoming 745 Friday night. And then I want to thank Kevin Kruger for joining us on the show today. Kevin Kruger leading the UNLV Runner Rebels for his third year, and they will tip it off at 7 p.m. tomorrow night as they take on Southern University. And hopefully the Rebels get off to a good start. For Num Chuck TC saying so long, if you missed any part of the show, go check it all out. Go check out the interviews. Check out the recent article, the Raider article, the blogs, also up there as well, too, at tcmartshow.com. Have yourself a good one. Enjoy the rest of your evening, and we will talk to you tomorrow at 2.